Kimberly Michelle Wilson Talley was a 49-year-old from Youngstown, Ohio. She had two siblings and was a cancer survivor. During the course of January 2017, friends and family noticed they hadn't heard from Kimberly. An inspection of her apartment revealed Kimberly hadn't been there in a while. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. A picture is worth a thousand words. The origin of that saying comes from Henrik Ibsen in 1906. So says Wikipedia. To also quote that website, the saying means that many times complex or multiple ideas can often better be explained with one image than with a verbal description. For those of us who devote a lot of time to disappearances, this is surely true. Some examples. Stephen Kocher. The video of him in that Henderson subdivision outdoes anything that anyone could have ever told us. Dale Kerstetter. Would we believe he was taken hostage without that security camera? Brian Schaefer. Do I need to say more? However, the issue with missing persons cases is that the more video and pictures we get the more questions we have, in a way undermining Henrik Ibsen's original idea. Well, with Kimberly Wilson Talley, although nobody is sure when she went missing, there is a lot of evidence pointing to what happened. But does it all really come down to a snapshot? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, Charlie Project. Kimberly Wilson Talley was a private person. Even though she and her sister lived within minutes of each other, they didn't see each other that much, despite having a good relationship. Kimberly had been married, but her husband died around 2012, possibly causing her to be even more reclusive. Then in 2015, Kimberly was diagnosed with throat cancer maybe pushing her even more to stay away from the public. However, Kimberly had a new man in her life, Delmar Daniels, who stuck with her through this tough time. But in late January 2017, a neighbor, a friend of Kimberly's, had not seen her in a while. She called Kimberly's family who showed up that same day. Nothing seemed amiss. Although Kimberly's phone was there, but her car wasn't. A call to Delmar was made. He said he and Kimberly were out and would be back shortly. They never arrived. Kimberly was never seen again. Over the next days and weeks, Kimberly's loved ones would discover that she had missed an important doctor's appointment concerning her cancer, that Delmar had blown a toll on the PA turnpike with Kimberly's car, 
and that her car was found in the backyard of an acquaintance of Delmar. As all of you know who have been listening to Unfound for a while, we are all about education, learning as much as we can about missing persons cases, then passing that knowledge on to all of you. And, of course, many of you do studying on your own. For Kimberly's disappearance, you should be thinking about crime, isolation, and relationships as you try to answer these three questions while listening to the interview. Number one, was a message sent to Kimberly's sister on Facebook Messenger in late December 2016 from Kimberly or someone else? Number two, why would a boyfriend help a woman through a tough time in her life to then turn around and possibly cause her disappearance? And number three, could Kimberly's presence in the passenger seat of her own car be part of an elaborate example of luring? Kimberly's family absolutely believes Delmar Daniels has everything to do with her disappearance. The guest for this episode is Kimberly's sister, Kina Hardy. Unfound News. Today starts a new era for Unfound. Not only can you listen to the audio podcast on all of the usual platforms, but if you go to Unfound's channel on YouTube, you can watch, yes watch, my interview with today's guest. You can also watch moi recording this episode. Check it out. Next, it's the end of the month, so that means what? Yes, another show with my favorite professor, Dr. Grace Telesco. Next Thursday, March 31st at 7 p.m. Eastern, she and I will be discussing the disappearance of Jesse Ross. It will be live on the Fischler College of Education and School of Criminal Justice channel on YouTube. Finally, and related to the new video version of Unfound, I will be retooling the Patreon and YouTube membership programs. One of the new items will be the ability to get the Friday episodes at least a day early. So please think about becoming a member at either location. Where you can find Unfound. Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Podbean, and many other platforms, especially outside the United States. Unfound has social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube... Join me on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Unfound podcast channel for the live show, the only one of its kind in true crime. Ask questions, chat with other viewers, and give the show a thumbs up. You can contribute to Unfound in the following ways. Patreon.com forward slash Unfound podcast. PayPal.me forward slash unfound podcast. Contribute during the live show with Super Chat and join the YouTube membership program for the low price of $2.99 a month. I need to thank the following people for contributions to Unfound this week MT and Sherry.
the website, theunfoundpodcast.com, the email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com, and please mention Unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the sister of Kimberly Wilson Talley, Kina Hardy. Kina, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very welcome. We're going to start as uh, where we usually do with interviews with family members. Let's just talk about your family. Of course, uh, Kimberly is your sister. Is she your older sister, younger sister? Any other siblings, family members? Uh, what was it like uh, growing up with Kimberly and everybody else? Kimberly is my older sister. Um, it's three of us. Me, I'm the baby. I have a uh, middle brother and Kim was the oldest. Um, Kim was always like the mother figure in the, the sibling group. Um, our mother was um, killed in 1991. So when she was murdered, you know, she stepped up more to be that mother figure. So it was always just the three of us. Mm-hmm. So she how, was, how, What's the age difference between you and Kimberly? Um, she would have been 55 on February 22nd and I'm 41. Wow. So 14 years well, older. Be, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'll be 41 in April. Okay. So still about 14 years older she was than you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Well, that's maybe not so unusual. I have brothers and a, two brothers and a sister who are almost, uh, almost 20 years older than I am. So maybe that's not so unusual, but that's interesting to me. Okay. So uh, she was like the mother figure, if I may ask. Um, it, what happened to your mother that she was murdered in 1991, not to go deep into the details, but what happened? Um, she was, she was murdered. Um, I don't really know the details of what happened. I was only 10 years old when it happened, but, um, she was cut from ear to ear, throat to throat. They slit her throat. Was this person caught? I, I, I don't know. Still to this day, I really do not know. And it's, you know, it's so much in my life history that I don't know a lot of information because I was so young when it happened. So I don't know if I was told and I just like blacked it out and tried not to really deal with it. But I said, I'm 41 years old now, about to be 41. And it's like, do I really want to know the details of what really happened? Right. You know, almost 30 some years ago. Uh, so you don't know if this was, uh, you know, a boyfriend at the time or a random, a random stranger. You have no idea. No idea. Wow. No idea. And no idea if anybody ever went to jail or anything. No. And as years went on and I was starting to get a little bit older, you know, I was asking questions like what happened or was he caught? And nobody really knows the answer. I don't know if they just knew the answer and didn't want to tell me or they really don't know. So that's a mystery in itself. Do you think that uh, Kimberly knew? You two never talked about that. Obviously, she's 14 years older. She would have been well into her 20s when this happened. Do you think that she knew knew the details and just didn't want to tell you? Maybe she could have. She could have, you know, just just to try to keep me safe. I don't think it was because like she didn't want me to know. I think it was just bringing up like past history and emotions and feelings that she just didn't want me to encounter because, you know, growing up, I did have a rough childhood. So, you know, being that, you know, she stepped in to be the mother figure, it was always right. just left in the back. Okay. 
Well, I, you know, I wouldn't, let's not give uh, your mother's name out here on, on the program because there may be some things going on there that we don't know about. But maybe uh, afterwards, uh, Kina, if you wanted to, you know, give me your mother's name, you know, maybe I can look into that. I'm not saying that you need to know or anything, but certainly would fill my curiosity to see what actually happened there. You know, if you yes. wanted to give me your mother's name after we're done here. Once again, Absolutely. Up to, totally up to you. Okay. Absolutely. That's very tragic though, but it's good you had a sister like Kimberly who stepped up. Of course, she was into her 20s. Maybe she was uh, equipped to do that at that age. So that's uh, that's good of her to do that. Let's just talk about her. Obviously, you've already talked about her being a, a mother figure, but maybe uh, tell the listeners a little bit about her personality, uh, you know, you know, interests, hobbies. What do you remember? Uh uh, her being into, you know, music or, or whatever else. What can you say about her? Um, of course, Kim, she was, her personality was sweet. It was caring. Um, if she could, she would give you the shirt off her back. You know, um, she was a homebody. So she really didn't, you know, go out a lot or leave her house a lot other than, you know, going to the store and coming back home. You know, um, she loved to read. I would, I would watch her or see her like reading books from time to time. And she was just, she was just all about living life, you know, taking one day at a time, taking steps by steps, yeah. so. How long did you two live together, being that she was 14 years, roughly 14 years older? Uh, did you, you two grew up together? How long did you two live together until maybe she went her way, you went her way? You know, um, what, what was that, the I really, I really can't remember. I mean, like I said, I was 10, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, when the situation happened. So I don't, it could have been maybe about four years, four or five years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then who did you, if she ended up going off on her own, who, who was then taking care of you, uh, you know, when she went off on her, on her own? My stepdad and my stepmom. Oh, stepdad. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Wow. Okay. All right. So she would uh, give the shirt off your back. Very uh, kind. Uh, what kind of education did she have? What kind of work did she do uh, as an adult? Um, she had various jobs. Um, she had cashier jobs. Um, mm -hmm. She worked in factories off and on. Um, so it was mainly like customer service, factory jobs, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it was it was always off and on. Like it wasn't it was steady for a moment, you know, until. I don't know if she lost the job or she gave the job up, but it was always, you know, factory and customer service. Okay. So bouncing from job to job. So would not be strange to say maybe over, you know, the course of her adult years from let's just say 25 to 45, she might have five or six different jobs. Let's say. I don't think it was that many. Um, like okay. the job that she was at, she was, you know, she would stay for some years mm -hmm. or less, you know, the job didn't need her anymore. I don't know if it was like a temp agency that she was working for with the factories. Um, I know that she was working at a local grocery store here in our town and she was there for some years. Okay. Any relationships? Uh, I, I've already been told, we talked about this already, but she had no children, but uh, was she ever married? Any relationships? Of course, we'll talk about the guy that was with her at the time of her disappearance, but any other uh, people in her life that she lived with, um, you know, intimate partners. Mm -hmm. She, um, she was married. Um, her husband passed away. Um, oh, this wow. some years back. I think he's been passed now. 
I'm trying to go back and think. Mm-hmm. My youngest is 15. So I think he passed maybe about eight, nine, maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Um, she did have um, stepchildren. They were, mm-hmm. the kids were um, her husband's biological kids. But, you know, of course, she mm-hmm. took them in as her own. So she did have stepchildren. When okay. he passed, um, the apartment that she was living in, it was under, um, like HUD, HUD okay. innocence. Yeah. So they moved, they made her move to where, um, the Vicks, the victories where she was staying because the bedroom didn't fit her guidelines at the time. Okay. So that's when she moved to the Vicks, to the victories. Okay. And that's the last place she lived before she went missing? Yes. Okay. All right. How did he die? A uh, disease or you, um, you even know? I think and it how- was more, I think it was more like natural causes. Mm-hmm. It was natural causes. He was, okay. he was older than her, of course. Uh, so, you know, Okay. it was just natural causes. Okay. How did she take that? Um, she was hurt. She definitely was. Um, I remember at the time I was staying in Cleveland, Ohio at the time when he passed, but, you know, I came down, I talked to her, you know, she was distraught, you know, just like, you know, any other family member would be when you lose someone, you know, she dealt with it. I was there for her to deal with it and stuff, but eventually she, you know, I'm not going to say she got over it. It was, it started being easier to deal with over the years. And then I don't know when she met this other person. Mm -hmm. I don't know the time frame of when she met him, but that's, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So her husband uh, died approximately, let's just say 10 years ago. So let's just pick a year 2012. Uh, as you know, it's hard as uh, you know, those pains never go away, but time doesn't really heal all wounds, but she has to move on. We all have to move on with our lives, mm-hmm. but um, you know, that's of course hurts. And she's living with this guy. When he dies, she has to move out. She gets this place and this is the place that she was living at. Uh, where she went missing. And we're going to be talking about that place uh, in a little bit. Um, you know, I don't have any kids, so I'm not one here to here to judge, but did she never want to have any kids? Did she ever try to have kids or children just wasn't for her? What would you say? Um, I don't, I don't know if she was able to have kids. I don't, mm. I don't know why she didn't really have her own. Okay. I don't think we really talked about that. If we did, it's, you know, a vague memory, mm-hmm. a faint memory. So okay. I'm pretty sure she would have loved to have her own kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids, of course, were her life. Yeah. You know, when I when I was pregnant with my oldest, I stayed with her and her husband. And they were the one that drove me to the hospital when I was in labor. Wow. So with my oldest. And that was 20 years ago. <laughs> okay. All right. Great. All right. So let's move on to some issues. Let's just start here. Um of course, before this uh, episode has come out, I've uh, publicized it, made some, uh, posted some links to any stories or the Charlie Project page on her disappearance, etc. And people probably quickly saw that at the time of her disappearance, that she was suffering from cancer. Uh, do you remember when she was diagnosed? What year was this? If you can approximately say, how did she handle it? What kind of cancer was it? Let's just talk a little bit about that. You know, maybe just to get an idea of how she was dealing with it and what was the prognosis. What What do you remember about that time when, when you found out that she had it? Um, 
she was in the hospital and I don't remember who called me, if I called her, if she called me or the person she was dealing with at the time called me. But I went to the hospital to see her and I said, you know, man, what's wrong? And she was telling me like she was throwing up blood at the time. And I don't think she knew what it was. That's why she went to the hospital. And after she got there, I don't I don't remember if they told her, like ran tests at that time and told her that it was cancer. But I mean, she was, you know, she was dealing with it. She didn't have any choice to deal with it. You know, it was a part of life and she was gonna, you know, fight it the best way that she could to you know, be here for her loved ones. So it's a hard thing to deal with, but when you can't do anything about it, you have no choice but to deal with it. So she she always, to me, the vibe that she gave me, she was always, I'm gonna fight it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight it, I'm gonna beat it, I'm gonna do whatever I can to, you know, stay healthy. And it came a point, I don't remember or know when um, she had the trait put in, but she had to get a trait put in her throat. So I don't know how severe it was at that point. Um, like I said, this this is my sister and we didn't we didn't talk every day. We didn't see each other every day, but we both know if she needed me or vice versa, I was there. Yeah. You know, so as as far as how deep her prognosis was, I don't know. I really don't know. All right. So she never I mean, said, you I, know what I you know, she never said, for example, that um, you know, I have stage two and we and we should state it was throat cancer. I have stage two throat cancer. You don't remember her ever saying anything like that. I don't remember her ever saying anything like that. I'm okay. I'm trying to get in touch with the doctor or see oh. even try to find out the doctor that she was seeing to see how far it was, but uh-huh. I, I just I don't know. Does it uh, I, I feel like and I, I feel like, you know, of course, if you know she was still here, then it would have been a conversation that we would have had, but you know, of course she's missing. We still don't know where she is. We never, I, I feel like it would have got to that point to have that conversation, but because she's not here, we never made it to that point. Do you think uh, the, the cancer was a surprise to her? You know, when I think of throat cancer, I automatically think, well, smoking is, you know, they say is a cause, I suppose people can get cancer for all sorts of reasons, uh, mm-hmm. environmental or genetic. Was she a smoker? Do you think that might have been it? Or was it just something genetic? What what was it? No, she was a smoker. Um, Kim, she she was a heavy smoker. Okay. So, I mean, as far as it being a surprise, it could have been a surprise to her. But mm-hmm. at the same time, she knew what, you know, the lifestyle that she was living and smoking. So that is a um, a symptom or sure. not a symptom. Um, could be a result. A result. A result of cancer. Sure. So. Sure. Okay. And so, that's why that's why I felt like she was, you know, she was willing to deal with the outcome because, you know, she was a smoker. No, I, I guess no different than people who have a, maybe a higher uh, chance of getting skin cancer going out into the sun, you know, going to the beach, you know, getting a tan or something. Same thing that, you know, they, mm-hmm. you, you know, you know, the risks and you take them anyway. Sure. Exactly. Um, what year was this approximately you think that she was first diagnosed? I, I think maybe you told me in our prior interview, could that have been 2015? Um, hold on. We, we're in, we're in 2022. Okay. Yeah. She went missing in 2017. So mm-hmm. maybe about 2015, 2016. Okay. 
So maybe she was uh, fighting this cancer for at least a year, somewhere around mm -hmm. that. Okay. Possibility. Yeah. Okay. And once again, I realize you were not following her all the time. Uh, she's not your child. She's your sister. You have your life. She has her own life. Uh, how would you, in your opinion, when you would talk to her or see her, how do you think the treatment was going? Did it seem like it was going in a positive direction or was it kind of like, hmm, I don't know? It was it was definitely going in a positive direction. Okay. Um, you know, she she never let this cancer bring her all the way to the bottom. You know, mm -hmm. she was willing to do whatever she needed to do to make sure that she was healthy, to make sure that she's going to the doctors, to make sure that, you know, she was getting the right treatment. You know, she wasn't the type of person, if anything was to affect her, like, this is going to, this is what's going to take me out. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you for that. And that'll be something for the listeners to think about, uh, you know, regarding this disappearance and her state of mind or emotions around this time. Let's move on to this. Of course, he's going to be a, a big part of the conversation from now on. His name is Delmar Daniels. We can say his name. His name is out there. Any time you look up Kimberly's disappearance, uh, any news stories or the Charlie Project, wherever, you're going to see his name. Uh, he was the boyfriend at the time. Do you even know how the two met? Did you ever know of him before they started going out? What can you tell the listeners just in general about Delmar Daniels and him being with your sister, Kimberly? I never, um, I don't know how they met. Um, Delmar, to me, when I went around, he was, he was more like, he showed his good side, okay. I should say. He showed us this time. Of course, my kids, they were younger at the time. And he, when the kids would go over there, they would play, go to the store. You know, he would spend time with them and my sister as well. So it, I never seen a bad side of them. But you never know what goes behind closed doors. Now, true. friends and neighbors that, you know, seen her more than I did, of course, you know, told me that she was afraid of him. Okay. But... I, I don't, I don't know. Once again, if she was trying to keep me out of the mix or the business, but when I went around, I never seen any of that. I always seen, like I said, the good side. So when this whole situation came about, I was, I was shocked. Like, mm -hmm. how, when, and why? Yeah, we're and we'll get into those details. But do you have any idea how they met? Uh, first of all, did they go to high school together? You know, way back in the day. Or was this I mean, just I don't, run Andrew, you know, she was maybe working at the grocery store and he was came in. Do you even do you have any idea? I don't I mean, I don't like I said, I don't know how they met, but it could have been, you know, a mutual friend or it could have been, mm -hmm. you know, they seen each other around from time to time and they just, you know, started talking. But the details on how they really met, I'm not sure. OK, would you say once again, the, what you could tell being that she got this cancer and my understanding is they started going out, started being a couple before they, she got cancer. Would you say that in as far as you could tell, was he supportive of her through this very tough time? For the any most idea, part, any, idea, any ideas? The, in the beginning, um, he was supportive as far as I could tell in the beginning. You know, he he was at the hospital when I first seeing Kim in the hospital to know that she was sick. Um, you know, he would cook. She would cook. Um, you know, they would sit and watch TV as far as I know. 
Okay. From things that I've seen, but like you, like I said before, you don't know what happens behind closed doors. You don't know, like yeah. once everybody was gone, what was really happening. You know, maybe it was, maybe it was just a, a front. Maybe it was just a show. Let me show mm-hmm. my good side, and then once everybody leaves, and you know, I can show her who I really am. And she probably knew, you know, who he really was, and at the same time, just didn't want, didn't want to worry me. I should yeah. say. Right. Okay. Good point. Okay. So they're a couple, they're living together. She has cancer. Uh, at least outwardly, it seems like he's supportive, but we don't know what was going on behind closed doors. So let me just, uh, late 2016 and, and listeners should know, I think in talking to Kina, the couple times that I've spoken to her before we did this official interview, the actual date of Kimberly's disappearance is a little bit of a question mark. I know that you may go to the Charlie Project or NamUs and it'll say January 1st. We're not quite sure that is the actual day. And I think you're going to see that uh, as we continue. So just keep that in mind, uh, viewers Mm -hmm. and listeners. But I just have some questions for you regarding late 2016. Uh, How often would you say that you would talk to Kimberly? Uh, Once a day, twice a week? Um, you know, even, we might even include social media on there. How many times did you have communication with her on a, you know, during the course of a week? Um, maybe about once a week or we'll go maybe once every two weeks or a couple days out of a month. There was never really no, no pinpoint time of when we actually talked, but, you know, we did stay in contact. You know, if she needed me, she'll call me. I was there, you know, if I just wanted to call and, say hi or stop by and check in you know she knew that i was i was able to do that you know so like i said there's never really no pinpoint or how much we talked or how much we really seen each other but we did stay in contact okay we stayed in contact definitely no you should know though that both of you um we're not going to give up you know where you live but you both live in the youngstown area Mm -hmm. okay how long Mm -hmm. how far would you say you lived from her at the time of her disappearance um about 10 minute drive. Okay. About pretty close drive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. Okay. When was the last time you were in person with her? When was that? A week before Thanksgiving in 2016. I stopped over just to check and see how she was doing. She was there, of course. Um, he was there. I said, you know, just coming to check in on you, just seeing how you were doing you know, normal conversation. I said, you know, what you cooking for Thanksgiving this year? She really didn't say anything. He says, Kim's not cooking anything for Thanksgiving this year. Once again, didn't think anything of it. You know, it's two couples having a little argument or a disagreement, you know, they'll work it out. And that's the last time I seen her face to face. Okay. So that's the last time, uh, like I said, a week before Thanksgiving. So let's just say approximately November 20th. What about anybody else? Once again, anybody who you trust, that would no, we would probably not put Delmar in that category, but anybody else who was the last person that you know who saw her before she went missing that you trust? When was the last actual sighting of her? I mean, of course, my aunt would see her. Uh, she stayed in contact with my aunt. I don't know the last time that she's seen her physically. Um... That's about it. I mean, the neighbors that stayed in the complex with her, they've seen her, but I don't know when the last time they actually laid eyes on her. Okay. 
Now, I just have to clear a couple things up, being that this is the end of the year. We know that, of course, Christmas rolls around, New Year's rolls around. Do you have any idea what she did for Christmas in 2016? Uh, you know, did she just stay at home? Did she and Delmar go maybe see somebody in his family? Did they go out New Year's? Do you have any idea what she did for either of those dates, being that they are holidays? I don't really know, but being that I know that my sister is a homebody, you know, she stayed to herself. Most likely she probably stayed in, um, probably cooked herself a, a nice little small meal and just stayed to herself. And it wasn't because, you know, she didn't have anywhere to go. It was Kim as a homebody. I would ask Kim or invite Kim to come over several times. You know, sometimes she would come, sometimes not. You know, she just wanted to be at home. And if I would stop over, he was at home. You know, Even at Christmas. House, I, once again, I, I'm not here to get to pry into your you know, family life, you know, things that go on in families. But even for Christmas, there were no plans like for you and her to get together. No. Okay. All right. All right. So we have this uh, late 2016. It sounds to me like she was out of touch with most people, uh, as maybe especially the people who care about her the most. Maybe this is just because of her. Maybe she's a little self-conscious getting this trach on her throat. That happens to people that have had any all sorts of types of surgeries. Um, you know, maybe it's because Delmar, you know, is controlling her in some way. We could probably throw out a lot of different ideas. You've already said, though, she's a little bit of a homebody, and maybe that's it. But and you don't it, hear from her. Please. And it, I'm sorry. And it Please. definitely could be a controlling issue because like I said, sure. neighbors and friends that seen her and him together all the time mm -hmm. told me after the fact that she went missing, Kim is Kim was afraid of Delmar. Kim is afraid okay. of Delmar. All right. So it definitely probably was I believe a you. Okay. All right. Very good. That's very, very possible. Being that we know she went missing, we'll get into these details. I think that that's a very good choice. But so you go, um, you know, not talking to her for uh, a while. And we'll get into that message eventually that she sent you if she if she was actually the person that sent it to you. But come late January, though, you're, you've talked about these neighbors or maybe one specific neighbor a few times now. You get a call from one of the neighbors and, and there was this, I guess it was late January. And what does this neighbor say? Um, she contacted me Facebook Messenger. And she says, Kim, I mean, I'm sorry, Kim, Kina, uh, we haven't seen your sister in a while. We haven't seen Kim in a couple of weeks. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, like I said, the last time that I physically seen her was before Thanksgiving the year prior. So immediately, you know, I, I think I called my aunt and me and my aunt goes over to the complex together. And we're sitting there in front of the apartment and nothing. Nothing, no sign of Kim, no sign of her car, just nothing. Um, my aunt, she called him and he answered the phone and told us that he was on his way back from what well, they were on their way back from Struthers because Kim wanted some chicken. Huh. Immediately, red flag. Immediately, I knew something was wrong. Um, it is because of the kid condition that my sister was in. I knew that she wasn't able to eat solid foods. Right. Right. But they, but he gave, led you to believe that he was with Kimberly and they were headed back there and just to wait there. Mm -hmm. And you exactly. waited there. And, and what happened? We waited. He never showed up. 
Um, I believe she tried to call him again. He didn't answer the phone. Um, I think at this point I said, let's call the police because Struthers, from where she stayed in Struthers is only maybe 15, 20 minute drive. It doesn't take, I think we was out there for maybe an hour, hour and a half. It doesn't take that long to get from Struthers. I said, call the police. So we called the police. Um, They came out. Um, At first they were saying that they that they couldn't go in unless it was a medical condition. If I can remember, they couldn't they couldn't go in her house to, to see if she was in there because how did it go? I'm sorry. Yeah, there's no maybe no maybe no probable cause. You know, what do you want us to do? I mean, they said they're coming back from getting chicken. Maybe you even told them that. And there's a, you just want us to go into this house because they haven't showed up in the last hour. It's it's a little uh, you know I almost have to agree with the police, but. Uh, maybe it was something like that. Yeah, it was. It was something like that. Saying like it was, you know, she's she's grown. Um, we would have to have. Well, she would have to have a medical condition for us to, you know, do a well-being check. I believe that's what it was. And and that's when I I told one of the officers. I said, well, she has cancer. You know, she has throat cancer. You know, we don't know. At the time when. Uh, my aunt spoke to Delmar. We don't know if she was with Delmar or if she was in the house. So we don't know if she's in there, you know, deceased or passed out or fail or anything. So I'm like, yeah. she has cancer. This is a medical condition. I need you to go and see if my sister is okay. Yeah. Eventually they were able to get into the house and there was no signs of her. Okay. So they got into the house to get like the landlord or, or did somebody else have a key to get in there? How did you get into the house that evening? Um, It was... It was an apartment complex, so it was like a a maintenance worker on duty, like an emergency number. Oh, yeah. So I don't I don't know or remember how they got called or who called them, but eventually the um the maintenance worker was able to come out to open the door for the police. Okay. Oh, great. All right, so that's good. It's pretty quick. You get over there, and maybe within an hour or two, you're inside of a place and looking around. Describe the inside of her place. Uh, any signs, uh, just to ask you point blank, any signs of violence, uh, anything missing? What did you notice? Um, you know, my understanding is the police like went in first, you know, just to, you know, make sure, you know, you didn't, you know, maybe, you know, if there was a crime scene, they didn't want you to pollute it. But once you did get in there, of course, we know there was not necessarily any crime scene. But what did you see when you went in the apartment? Uh, when I was finally able to go in, um, it was her back door. So when she walked in the back door, it was her kitchen. To the left was um, the bedroom and the bathroom. It was a one-bedroom apartment. And straight ahead was the living area, like the living room. So I walk in. I think the light was on in the kitchen. And in the living room, the TV was on. Um, the couch was up against the wall. Like the pillows of the couch was off. And she had a um, an end table sitting right next to the table, like she was laying there taking a nap. Her glasses was on the table. I think a book was on the table. Um, like I said, the TV was on. Huh. I go to the back. Of course, it's just the bathroom and the bedroom. Now I don't remember at this point, but the bed—I don't know if this was the same day—but okay. the bed only had one side of the bed pulled back like the covers like only one person was sleeping there so i don't know if it was her sleeping in the bed 
and vice versa. He was on the couch or he was on the couch and I mean, she was on the couch and he was in the bed. Yeah. Okay. All right. So those are some of the things you noticed. Uh, being that the TV was on, when you went in there, did you get the idea that it had been recently lived in or did it seem to you maybe somebody hadn't been in that apartment for days, if not weeks? It Any was idea? Like maybe looking like in the refrigerator, looking in the food in the refrigerator, maybe you might be able to tell that way. What was your impression? Well, I don't, I don't remember going in the refrigerator at all. Okay. Um, but my impression, it was like somebody was just, like somebody just left in a hurry. You know, like, like I said, if she was taking a nap or laying on the couch, you know, she jumped up, had to make a quick run to the store. It was just like somebody just left. Okay, so it would have been perfectly believable that maybe just a couple hours before you showed up at the apartment, maybe she was there and Delmar was there and they really did leave. There was nothing there that led you to believe, man, this place hasn't been lived in for three weeks. No, nothing, okay. nothing like that. Okay. Was her phone there? Yes, her phone was there. Um, I don't remember, again, this was five years ago, so I don't remember yeah. if I seen the phone that day that the police um was called or if i found the phone or seen the phone days later okay but her phone was definitely in the house it was eventually somehow of course you were there maybe trying to figure out of course delmar and kimberly never did show up even though he said he was heading there or he said they were heading there um they never did show up and people were trying to call and he's not answering after that first call but you're there, and of course, you're only there for so long, and maybe it's a, at a later time you came back. But her phone, she went missing, but her phone was left behind. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you see, like, her purse? Did she carry a purse? Did she carry any other things with her that you noticed also were in the apartment? Once again, something that you might notice, maybe that the police wouldn't, being that you know your sister better. Um, I'm sorry. Um... <sighs> I didn't see her purse. Um, she did carry a purse. I never found her purse still to this day. No ID, oh, okay. no wallet. Oh, I didn't um, know that. All right. So I did, listeners are just hearing this. I'm just hearing this for the first time. So her ID or uh, purse still missing to this day in 2022. Mm -hmm. Still okay. missing. Okay. All right. So uh, the phone is there, but the purse and maybe anything that was in it are missing. Did you also tell me you eventually figured out that there was a TV? You said one TV was on, but another TV was missing? Yeah, um, she had like a little um, flat screen TV on her dresser in her bedroom. Um, you could tell TV was there because it had like the, the dust under yeah. a TV. Yeah. So um, I, I at first I didn't know anything about the TV because like I said, I didn't I didn't really enter her bedroom. You know, when I would go and see her, it was always in the front part of the house. So when I looked at the dresser, I think someone else pointed it out to me that was with me. It was like, the TV's gone. And I'm like, okay. All right. Okay. So and I, and you've I'm still, please, I'm sorry, please. I'm sorry. I'm still like in a lot of, you know, obviously I was in a lot of shock. I, like yeah. I think some things that I should have been noticing, I was just overlooking because I'm just like, where's my sister? Like, I shouldn't be in her house without her. <laughs> that's the mm -hmm. only thing that's going through my head. That's like, true. And that's... So that's I, wasn't really trying, I wasn't really trying to pinpoint or focus on a lot of other material stuff. I was just mm -hmm. like... 
what you're saying there, Keenan, is very common. You know, people look back at a situation, you know, maybe even not just, you know, we're doing this uh, interview on March 13th, 2022. So over five, you know, years after she went missing, but even just a week later, people will say, man, I wish, you know, I'd been paying attention, but I was so caught up in the emotions. It's very calm, you know, very common. So I, I hope you don't beat yourself up, you know, too much regarding that. That's very common. But what were you thinking at that point? Obviously, you're in there um, and she's not there. The TV's on. Delmar says she and uh, he and she are going to be coming back in 15 minutes. They don't show up just at that point that you went in there. You know, what are you thinking right at that second? Of course, we're, there's a lot of other things you're going to find out. But right at that second, what are you thinking? first of all, where's my sister? Um, second of all, why are you lying? Coming back from Struthers because Kim wanted some chicken. So immediately I didn't think nothing like, oh, she's deceased or anything like that. It was just, I don't know, so many different things was running through my head. Like, yeah. why why would you tell us that you're coming back from Shredder because Kim wanted chicken? Like, we're not going to understand. Like, I'm a nurse's aide. I've been in the nursing field for 20 years. So I know yeah. about, you know, two fees and sure. if you can't eat solid yeah, food yeah. because you have a hole in your throat. Like, I don't know if he thought that he was talking to someone dumb or, <laughs> oh, if I tell her sister, you know, we're coming back from Shredder, then she'll believe. No, no. So, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking at the time that, you know, she was, I don't want to say that she was, wasn't missing that I wasn't thinking because we knew that she was missing. Yeah. I just didn't want to think that she was deceased or somewhere held captive and, and, you know, against her will. Yeah. And we have to remember just to go through this, maybe with the listeners and viewers again, that uh, her car was missing. And we'll talk <laughs> about the car here eventually, but uh, her car is missing. Her phone is there. Eventually discover that but her purse is missing. And so it's at least conceivable. Yeah. That they did go somewhere in her car and she just didn't take her phone. Maybe there it wasn't charged. Who knows? Maybe she forgot. So it's at least conceivable that they left to go somewhere in her car and, you know, they just hadn't come back, but obviously, you know, eventually figure out when they don't show up the rest of that day, you know, why is he telling you this? And then mm -hmm. he does he by himself or she by herself doesn't even show up. Okay. And on, and on top of that, um, after I started, after I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but her winter coat was left behind. Mm. Still okay. to this day, I have her winter coat you in my basement. So very good. How okay. how do you leave in the middle of winter, January December? No coat, no phone. Your car is gone. You're gone. Yeah. Now, now I'm I'm sorry. And then something happens to my sister. Okay. So the police are there fairly quickly. I think it's great that you were able to get the police there right in the same day that you show up there. That's you should know. I got to tell you, Keena, that's very unusual, but I think that's really good on your part that you did that. Um, they start their investigation. Maybe you, you know, they ask you questions. You have to fill out all the paperwork and everything. Um, do they eventually track Delmar down somewhere? Where was he? Obviously he didn't come back to the apartment. Do they track him down? Like, the next day, a week later, do you know if they spoke to him? What did he have to say about all this? I don't I don't think they tracked him down. Um, mm. Well, I know they didn't track him down. Okay. Um, he was he was ducking and dodging a lot of people. 
after the fact um he was coming back to the apartment um in between i just don't know Mm -hmm. well i i i feel like he was coming whenever there's no proof for that but you have a belief yes i have a belief that he was coming to the apartment when everyone was asleep in the middle of the night okay um but as far as the police tracking them down no okay all right so but they do you do get it on the record as quickly as you can of course you know long span of time between the time we think that she went missing and you noticing this um you know when you i should ask you this when you did eventually go over to her apartment did you speak to that specific neighbor who called you could she give you any more information did she give the police in or it's like maybe it's a give the police information was this person ever to say you know very solidly the last day he or she saw kimberly in the apartment complex you know or was it just too long in the past for her to point out a a, a date i mean once again i don't like once the police was called and we was all out at the complex i don't know if that neighbor was mm-hmm. there if she showed up um okay I, I just don't remember i don't remember if she spoke to the police if the police questioned her about kim and the disappearance and the whereabouts i just i just don't know i can't remember totally fine all right just just a question let's move on to this um as we sometimes run into in disappearances especially newer ones we're talking about social media and phones email many times we think maybe uh the missing person is already missing and somebody else is using that person's accounts to write things to try to make it seem like the person is still around and he or she isn't uh in fact we have uh had the disappearance of eric franks in michigan where somebody per, uh, continued to portray him for at least six months after he went missing using his phone and his laptop computer so we know all about that but you got a message from uh kimberly uh, something about she needed to talk to you. When did you get this message? Was this an unusual message coming from her? Had she ever done this before? Uh, sent a message like this to you before. What did you think about that message when you got it? What date was it? And what did you think about it when you got it? Um, it was in December of 2016. I'm not sure the exact day. Um, I do have it on my phone still, but she sent me a message. She says, Hey, Key. K-E, that's the only person that calls me Key. Um, I need to talk to you about something important in person. I said, Mm -hmm. okay. Um, I believe I was working the afternoon shift at the time, 3 to 11. And I was at work the day that I got this message or just getting off work. But I said, um, okay, I'm off either Tuesday or Wednesday. You can stop by before 3. I'll stop by or call me. She said, okay, um, if you don't hear from me by a date, she, it was a day that she had in that in that message. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to pull it up and read it word for word, but mm-hmm. the day came, you know, the day ended up coming. She didn't call. She didn't text. Um, she didn't stop by. I didn't think that nothing, you know, maybe it slipped my mind or it slipped her mind or, you know, she was running late or maybe she changed her mind. Didn't think anything of it. Um, a couple of weeks later, then I, I get the phone call that, we haven't seen Kim in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And immediately I went back to that message. I said, oh my gosh, she wanted to tell me something. Mm. She wanted to tell me something or she was in a situation that she was trying to get out of. And for a long time, it ate at me. For years, it ate at me like, 
my sister was reaching out to me for help and I was at work and I wasn't there. So I don't know if, again, we don't know if it was him portraying to be her. I don't know if he was in the area or next to her where she, you know, really couldn't say what she wanted to say or if he was, you know, holding her against her will and, and just, I don't know, scaring her. I just, I don't know. Yeah, scaring we don't, we don't want to speculate. Okay. We don't want to speculate too much here, Kina. But I, I think uh, what catches my ear in all of this, and I've read the message, of course, you sent it to me and I saw it, is that uh, it seemed weird to me, once again, my perception. I did not know your sister. But that she wanted to talk to you in person, even though you admit yourself that she's kind of a homebody. What, what what could this conversation have been? Uh, you know, why wouldn't couldn't she just talk to you over the phone? I mean, no offense, but you didn't even get together for Christmas, and then she wants to talk to you about in person about something. It does seem like that it would not be in her character, or her her lifestyle, to want to talk to you in person. Something that could just be said over the phone or whatever. What do you think well, about that? With that, with that being said, okay, yeah, we we talked over the phone. She could have told me whatever she wanted to tell me over the phone, or you know, we seen each other in person. So maybe she wasn't able to talk to me over the phone because he was always around. Okay. So if That's I was to come point. around yeah. or she was to come to me, then he he's not gonna he's not gonna show his behind in front of me. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So maybe she felt safer if, you know, yeah. I would talk to my sister or we would get together in person and she'll tell me, you know, something's going on. Then you know the steps would have been taken at that point. We need to call the police, we need to get a restraining order, we need to do something, you know. So it's not like we never, you know, seen each other in person. It's we we talked, we text, we seen each other in person. You know, we didn't get together on holidays like most families will probably do. We were just one of those families that just did our own thing. But it was always, I can come to you if I need you, or vice versa. You can come to me if you need me. So the night that she sent me that message, like I said, I didn't think anything of it at the time. I mean, I just had seen her in November, which was a month before. And, you know, she seemed like everything was fine. So what could she have possibly wanted to talk to me about? And then, like I, I said, after I get the, you know, after I get the, the message or the details that we have seen her in weeks, I said, yeah, this is probably what she wanted to talk to me about, that she wanted to get away at the time. Once again, we don't want to speculate too much. All, but I think it maybe you do, maybe something that does ring true and all that is she wanted to talk to you in person because she wanted she wanted to be sure that it was going to be private. Maybe she didn't feel any other way she could have a conversation with you over the phone because Del Mar was always there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to this. Um, she had an oncology appointment at some point at the beginning uh, of January. How did you find out about this? How did you find out that she missed this appointment? Of course, oncology we would have something to do if those people don't know with cancer, cancer treatment, but she missed this in early January. It's been put out there that this appointment was supposed to be January 1st, but January 1st in 2017 was a Sunday. That seems a little unusual to me, but how did you find out that she missed this appointment, whatever date it was? Um. Once again, my aunt, she was, you know, she was helping her with her treatment and taking her back and forth to her appointments. So I don't know if it came from her or I found a letter laying around her house and, you know, this was the date of the appointment and it was missed. I, once again, I don't remember how I actually found out that she missed an appointment. 
So okay. I mean, it could have it could have most likely came from my aunt. Okay. You know, she probably mentioned, "Hey, Kim had an appointment that she missed," mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to find, like I said, find the doctor out. that she was seeing to. Right. To yeah, to find out what actually. Because we don't know, I, like I said, uh, I think a lot of people are going to read about Kimberly's uh, disappearance before this episode comes out and think, oh, yeah, she had an appointment January 1st. But given that that was a Sunday, that seems odd to me. I realize maybe they do dialysis and a lot of other uh, things on Sundays because you, it needs to be done right at that second. I'm not so sure that for a cancer treatment that you can't put it off you know, until a regular day of the week. I may be wrong about that. But what we're saying is it might have been January 2nd. It could have been January 3rd, 4th. But sometime in early January, she missed this appointment. So we just don't know uh, what date it was. All we know is that she missed an important uh, appointment in early January. So we're just going to take it was like, for granted, it was like that first week of January. So let's move on to this then. Eventually, though, you get uh, somehow you get a letter and from of all places, it's from Pennsylvania. Why don't you talk about that now? Yeah, so I was going back and forth to her apartment, um, checking the mail, getting the mail out the mail flight. Um, and, you know, just to see if I can notice anything out of the ordinary, you know, in the area or whatever. But mainly I'm going to collect her mail. Um, eventually, my aunt advised me to forward her mail to my address. So I don't have to keep going out there because if he was selling the area, we didn't know his mindset. Um, so a letter came in her name, of course, addressed to her, to my address. Um, it was from the PA Turnpike. I opened it. Um, it was mainly a letter saying that, hey, your car went through the toll without paying the toll. So I contacted the PA Turnpike. I don't know if it was that day. But I did contact them and I told them, hey, um, my sister, I'm calling on behalf of my sister. Um, she's missing. Um, I got this letter saying that her car was seen going through the toll without paying. Mm. Um, I don't know how the conversation conversation led up to um, a picture. I think because I told them that they were missing. So they were able to pull a um a video or a snapshot of course it was a snapshot because it was yeah. a, a still picture mm-hmm. and i was explaining i said my sister has cancer who was driving the car um they said that it was a man driving the car and it was somebody on the passenger side but they had a hood over their head so of course it wasn't a live video to where there was any type of movement i said yeah. well she has she has throat cancer can you see like um a device in her neck area they said that they can definitely see something that was in her neck area, but again, it was a still picture. But whoever was in the passenger seat, presumably Kimberly, had a hood over her head. Exactly. And it was her car. It was her car. And it was, and I understand was it was a Chevy, Chevy Cruze. Yes. And yes. Delmar was driving. Yes. In Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Now the important- coming from Pennsylvania or going to Pennsylvania. Mm, yeah. Why was he in Pennsylvania? We don't know. Right. Now, unfortunately, now you had to, I mean, when you told this, now we should be clear. I haven't seen the picture. Keena, you haven't seen the picture, correct? It's only been described to you? Yes. Okay. So and like I said, on, on the on the paper, on the, the letter itself, I don't remember if it was an actual picture of mm-hmm. the car. I just can't remember. 
Okay. Yeah, I, well, certainly if it was a picture of uh, Delmar and your sister in her car, you would surely remember that. So we were, <laughs> we just know for sure that that picture was not in, uh, in, in that envelope that you got. But it's from the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Now, unfortunately, though, uh, maybe you've lost that letter or you're still looking for it. We don't know what date that picture was taken, do we? No, no. I'm sure that, like we talked about off camera, that I'm sure there are a couple different ways you can find that out. Of course, but un unfortunately, right at the time, do you think maybe you looked at the date and you've just forgotten it, or maybe you were so overwhelmed with emotion getting that, you know, maybe that you know the date hasn't because surely uh, you know didn't stick with you because surely the date was on there. In fact, I'm sure down to the minute and the second of mm -hmm. that day, yeah. you know, they went. I mean, I, I probably, I probably seen the date. And you know, just overlooked it. I'm, you know, of course, I didn't read the whole letter. I'm just skimming through it, just skimming through it. But you know, what really caught my attention is going through the turnpike without paying. Why would you go through the turnpike without paying? And if it was, you know, my sister driving, she definitely would have paid. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't her driving, why would you go through the turnpike without paying? What are you trying to hide? Is there right. something that you're hiding? Matt, once again, we don't want to do too much, too much speculation here. All we know is it's Delmar driving. Once again, you haven't seen the picture, but the way it's been described to you, Delmar's driving the Chevy Cruze. Presumably, Kimberly's in the passenger seat with a hood over her head, and they're on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And the reason this picture was taken is because they blew a toll. And when you do that, eventually, you know, maybe going through the easy pass lane where you don't actually have an easy pass, the picture gets taken uh, so they can charge you whatever the fee is. And it's usually like 25 bucks or something. Okay, it's because I have an easy pass here in Florida. So this had to be uh, startling uh, to you, I I'm guessing. Startling as much as anything else. Yes. Uh, um, do you even remember what date that you got that letter? Obviously, it was after you already figured out she was missing. Would you Do you think this is well into February of 2017, do you think, or any ideas? No, it, um, it could have been maybe towards the end of January, okay. probably going into February, but I don't think it was February. Okay. I don't recall it being February. Okay. All right. So then this wouldn't have been too long after you figured out that she was missing. This wasn't too mm -hmm. long after the neighbor called you and said, hey, I haven't seen Kimberly in a while. So this all kind of, you know, all came together kind of maybe within a, a couple weeks, maybe. Mm -hmm. All right, so something's going on there. There's a reason she's not driving. The hood over her head. You know, it's uh, very, very uh, strange. Okay, so, but that does lead us to uh, this car, her car. Of course, when you showed up there in late January, her car was not there, but we have this picture of her car. Delmar's driving. Um, of course, she's missing, and I'm wondering if the police had, like, a be on the lookout for her car. Her car was eventually found. Where was it? The car was found on the south side in a backyard. I don't know if it was in the backyard of someone's house or a wooded area. That, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. The car was sold to an unknown person on the street for $1,000. Um, in order for the car to be sold, someone would have had to sign the title. Mm -hmm. So her, my sister's name was forged on a title and the title was notarized. So all the steps was taken, taken to get this car sold. 
So eventually it was sold. Um, the car, it did have an OnStar system in the, in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yet again, I don't remember how OnStar came about, but somehow it either was already activated or it got activated, and that's how the car was located through OnStar. All right. Wow, that's uh, interesting. I think that's a first run found where they actually use one of those car network uh, systems to track down a car that's part of a missing persons case. I think that's a first for us. But so it's tracked down and it was sold uh, for $1,000. I'm guessing that uh, the Chevy Cruze um, was worth a little more than $1,000. Absolutely. I believe it was a 13, 2013. All right. So certainly. And your understanding is it was Del Mar who sold this car to this person. Okay. Uh, Any idea, you bring up the notary issue. What kind of notary is going to notarize something the person can't guarantee the person who's signing it is actually, you know, you said it was forged. What kind of notary would do that? Ever looked into that? What what is that? My question is exactly why. I mean, obviously... I mean, I don't know, but mm. it had to be. I don't think it was nobody professional. A, a, a uh, professional generally, notary. I guess what I'm saying is generally a notary has to be licensed or something. And exactly. And every, you know, you get the little stamp and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you're thinking, it seems, if, you know, being that we do know that Delmar sold this to this person, it seems like some notary was tracked down who did something underhanded. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So it's sold. It's uh, the car is found. Do you remember when that was? Was this also around the time that you got this letter from the PA Turnpike? Do you remember that whole timeline in there at all? Um, I think the vehicle was found. After I received the letter. Hmm. Yeah, the vehicle okay. was found after I received the letter. Okay, so everything's kind of kind of falling into line. Unfortunately, it seems in a bad way, in a, you know, in a bad mm-hmm. direction here. The the apartment's empty. He says he's coming over. He doesn't. Uh, you get this letter from the PA Turnpike. It shows him driving her car, and she's presumably in the passenger seat with a hood on. And then after that, you find out the car, yeah, it's somewhere. It's back there in Ohio, but it's in somebody's backyard, and the title was forged, and Delmar sold this car to this person. Was this person uh, a friend of Delmar's? Do you think how that happened? Any insight into that? It's a possibility that it, it, it was a friend of his. Okay. All right. Now, you also told me that somehow you found this out. Maybe you want to explain how you found this out. Uh, but at first he tried to sell it to a dealership, a local, you know, official car dealership, and they wouldn't take it. How did you find that out? Do you remember? Um, I think it was in a news article, a write-up about my sister. Um, mm. I mean, it could have been another way. And like I said, it mm. just, like a lot of my memory is like fogged out. So a lot of details mm. on everything. But um, he did originally try to sell the vehicle to Darnell Ford. Um, but he didn't have the title. Somehow he was able to gain the title or locate the title. And that's when it, it underhanded went through yeah. so many different hands to get the car actually sold. Okay. Right. And the dealership, no reputable dealership, especially a big one, like an actual real Ford dealership. Maybe you get some, 
you know, shady used car places, but any official car dealership that sells new cars, Ford, Mercedes, whatever else. Yeah, if they smell anything shady regarding a car sale, well, I got this title and, you know, it just doesn't seem right. They won't take it. So maybe that's what mm -hmm. happened. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, once the car was found, any forensics done on it, anything that uh, you heard about it, anything damaged in it, any, uh, I'll just have to say, I'll just ask, uh, any blood in it, any, anything done with the car at all, what happened to that car? The car was towed, um, but when it was towed, I don't recall it being towed to the police station or the police department. Um, it was towed to a local tow yard. So I was confused if I was just confused if this if this vehicle belongs to someone that is missing and someone else is being seen driving the car, why wouldn't it be told to the police station? But then again, I don't know. It could have been told to the police station and then told to a local tow yard. I don't know. But when I seen the car, the part the car was perfectly fine. It wasn't damaged. Um, it wasn't. It was clean. It was clean. Okay. okay. What happened to the car? Where is it now? Um, it's it's put up. It's put up in um my granddad's garage. All right. So you have it. Yeah, we you have, have the car. Okay. We do I have the car. It. Okay. Would you say it was in decent condition when you got it back? Uh, abused in any way? You know, I don't know. Seats ripped up. Stuff taken out. Anything notable at all? No. Okay. Perfectly good condition. Okay. All right. Well, let's just uh, try to talk as much as we can about the guy we've talked about so much for the last hour. And that is Del Mar. What has he said about this? What has he done with his life since early 2017? Have the police talked to him about Kimberly being that there is this picture of him in the car with her and the hood over it? What is going on with all of that? What do you know now in March of 2022 about what he's had to say about any of this? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, he has been under the radar since this has happened. Um, mm -hmm. I think he was seen by several different people after, you know, the situation with my sister going missing. I haven't seen him. I haven't been able to talk to him. Nothing. Um, he was incarcerated in a different county. Um, I want to say maybe about two years ago, um, the detective that's working on my sister's case was able to go down and try to question him, but he refused to talk. Okay. And obviously he was released because it was, he was incarcerated on different charges, nothing in relation to the disappearance of my sister. Uh, did you tell me he was in jail due to drugs? Yes, it was a That's drug charge. Okay. Mm -hmm. Has he even admitted anything regarding the car itself, actually selling it, trying to sell it, driving it with her in it, any talk about not, maybe not even her disappearance, but the car, even doing what he obviously did with the car, even talk anything about that? Not from my knowledge. Um, like I said, when the mm -hmm. detective was able to go to a, to the other jail where he was located in a different county, he refused to talk. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't even think they got to the, the part of the conversation that mentioned anything about the car. You know, I believe that as soon as he mentioned my sister's name and 
you know, you're a suspect or you're, um, you're a person wanted for questioning, he probably just shut it down right in there. Okay. All right. Now, maybe we did miss something that goes back to the apartment itself. I, I know that one time, of course, you showed up, the, you know, and we've talked about Delmar. He's not talking. But going back to the apartment, I think this is uh, interesting. Let the listeners hear about this. You get there that first time. It's locked up. You go in. You notice some things are there. Some things are missing. Uh, but you went back a second time. And the second time you said you went back, all the windows were open. And it had a, a, a bleach smell. You know, how long was it between that first time and that second time? Did you notice anything like being a big difference between that first and second time? Obviously, maybe the second time you're around, maybe emotions aren't as high. What did you think that second time when you showed up and the windows are open, et cetera? Um, what did I think? Why are the windows open? Why is January? Why are the windows? Yeah. Like I said, why are the windows open? Um, it did smell like like cleaning supplies, like someone was just in there cleaning. But Kim didn't keep a, a nasty house. Her house was, I'm not going to say spectacular, but it didn't need to be cleaned if wasn't nobody there. So what are what are you cleaning? I mean, they already said there was no foul play of anything. There was no signs of forced entry. There was no signs of, of blood or trauma. There was no signs of anything. So why was why was the apartment smelling like cleaning supplies? What, uh, let me ask you this. When you back went back that second time, and of course it was in this condition, were, was a lot of her stuff still there? Were clothes still there? You know, mm -hmm. towels still there? Food still in the refrigerator? Did it look like maybe somebody tried, you know, like a landlord, let's just say, went in there and just, well, you know, if this person's gone, I got to clean this place up because I got to get somebody else in here. Or let's just, we, once again, we don't like to theorize too much. But is it, on the other hand, possible that, like you said, maybe Delmar was going back there when nobody else was around and he was the one that did all that? Uh, what do you, you know, do we even know? Did, could the landlord have done this? Delmar done this? Obviously, you didn't do this. I didn't do it. Um, I don't know if Delmar done it. He mm -hmm. hasn't been around for anybody to yeah. question him or ask him about anything. Uh, we don't know if the landlord done it. So I just... Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it was just overlooked, but it was it was weird that the windows are open and we don't know who opened the windows or why the windows were open. I agree. All right. So, yeah, you go show up the first time. It looks like the place has been just lived in like any other apartment. You get there the second time. Her stuff is still in there, but all the windows are open in January. I mean, how cold is that in mm -hmm. Ohio? So um, with the smell, uh, did it even, could you even tell being that, you had this bleach smell. Could you even tell what was cleaned? Everything or just a particular area? I mean, that smell, of course, we all know it smells like a swimming pool. Um, could you even tell what, what was ever cleaned? No, no. Okay. All right. How tough has this been uh, for you, Kina? Obviously, it's been over five years. You know, you have... Um, you have this picture, which I have to admit, after 240-some disappearances, this picture, although you don't have it, you haven't seen it, but I'm going to trust the Department of Transportation in Pennsylvania that that picture shows what they say it shows. You have this picture, Del Mar, the two together. Obviously, she went missing right around this same time. How tough is it 
to live with, uh, you know, something like this, that you have this picture, hey, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very it's kind tough. of obvious, it's, you know, how tough. Yeah. It's, it's very tough. Um, I mean, every day I wake up, come down my stairs and I see her, like her furniture. I was the one that cleaned out her apartment. I had to clean out all her belongings, everything. And the furniture is right here in my living room, right in front of me. So it's, it's definitely hard. I try day by day just to, you know, go on with my, you know, with my life and raise my family and, you know, still deal with the issue, not the issue, but the, the case about my sister disappearing, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, it's been, of course, five years recently, um, about, what was it, two weeks ago, or she would have been 55 on the 22nd of February. Um, I did have a balloon release for her at my house. Um, a lot of friends and family showed up. They were very supportive, but it's hard not not being able to celebrate it with your love. Yeah. You're celebrating her life without her. Yeah. But it's like, how do you, how do you celebrate when you have no justice? You have no answers. So, I mean, I try to keep her memory alive. I try to keep, you know, I try to keep the world informed of who Kimberly is, Kimberly was, and we want, we want closure. We want justice. We want answers. So we can go ahead and live our lives normal and not have to worry about when this person or persons will be caught for the disappearance. Mm -hmm. We just don't know. Uh, of course, Delmar, my impression uh, of finding out about this disappearance, reading about it, is that De Delmar's name has been mentioned since just about the beginning. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. Of course, people knew that they two were a couple. Eventually, people hear about this picture about them living together, about the sale of the car. These are things that are out there in the public. Uh, has have any has anybody who knows him or knew him ever come forward to you, being that you're out there? That's you know we're, that's why we're talking. That um, you know you know people he might have known in Pennsylvania. If he was taking Kimberly to Pennsylvania, did he know people over there? Did he know an area over there? Did he go over to that area to to the, to, to a totally different state? Anybody ever been able to tell you, you know, he has connections in Pennsylvania and that's might've been, that might've been where he and Kimberly went. Um, no, but I mean, I do know that he is uh, from the Warren Levisburg area. Um, so as far as Pennsylvania, I, I don't know anything about Pennsylvania. I mean, he might have family up there. I know my sister doesn't. Yeah. Right. I, I could, I, if, if, if that's the case, I would have knew about family in Pennsylvania. Of course. Um, so he's definitely from the Warren, um, Levisburg area. Um, Columbus, I know he has family in Columbus. Right after my sister did go missing, he had an aunt that stayed in the same city as um, myself and my sister. And after she went missing, she was moved out of that apartment to Columbus. I don't know how, how long it was after she went missing, but she was definitely moved. Okay. So no connections of Delmar with Pennsylvania, uh, with Pennsylvania that are obvious, you know, uh, you know, you know, if we're to think. We somebody, just don't know. Like he, he's yeah. like a snake in the ground at this point. Like he, 
he, like I said, he showed his good side when he needed to show his good side, but he's that snake to where he just slithered and, and slide it into different paths of his life. And now he's still ducking and dodging the, the um, authorities, you know, you're ducking and dodging the family. You know, I, I feel like if you, if he didn't have anything to do with anything about my sister, the car, the, the apartment, the, the bank card, her itself, come and talk to us. Yeah. Help us find her. You're not doing any of that. Right. You know, when, when the police was called initially the first time, I didn't see him come out into the complex, but I was told, you know, days later that he was seen, he came inside the complex, he seen the commotion with the police and everybody out there, and you left right back out. If you didn't have anything to do with my sister's disappearance, why are you running? Why do you still have her car and she's not with you? You know, if, if something happened, you know, on an accident, let us know so we can, you know, like I said, we can start our healing process and go on with our lives. It's five years, five, like I said before, five years is too long. A year and a couple of days is too long. Like right. How much, I don't know, how much, how much can you actually, you know, deal with and bear with before you get answers? Yeah. Okay. Keena, do you have a website, Facebook page, anything like that set up for Kimberly's disappearance? Uh, anything that you're, uh, she just had this balloon release, but anything like that, if you have anything like that to talk about, you can do so right now. Um, no, I don't have a Facebook page for her set up. Um, she has a Facebook page. Of course, you know, friends and family attack her um, on Facebook posts or messages or when it's her birthday, you know, we wish her happy birthday, happy heavenly birthday. We just, you know, we still try to keep her page active. I mean, it's something that I should probably look into and make a page, yeah. you know, memorial page for her. Yes. Um, right. Yeah, that's, that's about it. We just try right. to keep her memory alive. Okay. I would certainly think about making a, a Facebook page. I know it can be a little work and you never know who's going to get on there. And I know, uh, you know, I can say like new Facebook pages, it seems for disappearances, at least initially get a lot of trolls, but you kind of just have to work through that, unfortunately, mm -hmm. sometimes. But certainly, uh, you, th you know, you should consider that. I know it's a little more work for you and everything, given, you know, whatever else you're doing in your life. But I think that it would certainly um, be worth it, just a suggestion. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. okay. Kina, any final words before we complete this interview? Um, no, other than... If you're watching or listening, and if you know or seen this person responsible for the disappearance of my sister, speak up. Speak up. It's been five years, and we have nothing. Okay. Kina, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And that was my March 13th. 2022 interview with Kina Hardy, sister of Kimberly Wilson Talley. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. Kina had Kimberly's neighbor call me. This would be the woman who first alerted Kimberly's family that she had not seen Kimberly in quite some time. Unfortunately, she could not add much to what was already stated in the episode. She didn't see anything suspicious at Kimberly's apartment. 
She didn't see Delmar cleaning anything up or carrying anything out. Nothing like that. However, she did relay a conversation that she had with Kimberly at some point, and the topic was Niagara Falls, that Kimberly and Delmar had talked about going there on a vacation. Why is this noteworthy? One way you could go from Youngstown to Buffalo, New York, which is essentially where the falls are, is by way of the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Yes, it's a bit longer, true enough, but it's not crazy out of the way. Moreover, if Kimberly had never been to New York, since she wasn't driving, I'm not sure she would have known the quickest way anyway. Delmar could have driven almost in any east or north direction, and I'm not sure it would have made a difference. And given she had something over her head, Delmar could have been driving anywhere in any direction, and she wouldn't have known. Of course, maybe at that point in the car, Kimberly wasn't alive anyway. But I'm not getting into that. That will be up for all of you to decide. For me, my mind is more on what was Delmar's plan. After all the episodes we've done, we know how people who are suspects in disappearances like these tend to stick to their territories. Zoe Campos, found in Carlos Rodriguez's backyard. Andrea Bowman, found in Dennis Bowman's backyard. Tyler North, found not too far from the park, where he met his ex-wife. So, what was Delmar doing? Where was he going? Because nobody seems to think he had any connections to Pennsylvania. Too bad we don't have any more snapshots. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've been listening to Unfound.